welcome to I'm Not Dead Yet with Judy and Travis, a podcast about living an extraordinary life with extraordinary circumstances. Welcome to the I'm Not Dead Yet podcast. I'm your co-host, Travis Robinson. I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease age 35 in 2014. And I'm your other co-host, Judy Yaris. My husband, Sandy, had Parkinson's disease for 18 years, and I was his care partner. On today's episode, we'll be looking at the price of failure. What it means to try to do something, but not to succeed. Good morning, Judy. How are you? Good morning, Travis. I'm good. I slept pretty good last night, so I have no complaints. Woke up feeling a little bit fresher this morning. Well, I'm glad that makes one of us. I know, because I know you don't sleep, so... I'm doing it for both of us, Travis. How's that? Okay, yeah. I'm doing my part for the team. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So today's episode is kind of neat. We'll be carrying on from our last couple where we looked at, you know, deliberately living, making choices. And now we're going to be addressing what happens when you choose incorrectly. Or even if you made the best choice, what happens when you still fail? Mm, This is a good one. But first we have our PD-101 or... Fuck, I've got Parkinson's. So... Now I have to rethink how I do everything because I've noticed I have a a tremor. I've noticed I'm really tired. Like I am really tired and beat when I come home from work. I, I can't seem to have any gas for the evening. And how am I going to do this? How am I going to do the things I like to do? So you know, maybe you've had this conversation with yourself in your head. How is this going to impact my life? It, it's funny. I was talking with someone, um, I think it was in a support group where they were told, you know, you have Parkinson's, but it's not going to change your life at all. And that was coming from a neurologist. And I thought, what? Like, who would say that? Needless to say, the person that got that comment from that neurologist did not go back to that neurologist. So there are some people that have different points of view about this. But the truth is, it is going to change your life. Let's face it. Your things are going to be different. And you know, when Travis presented this idea of the price of failure, I thought, what is that about? But I'm going to let Travis, I'm going to let you kind of talk about it. But as we discussed it earlier, I have a great sense of how important this is for people, especially newly diagnosed, being able to accept the fact that maybe it didn't go the way as planned, right? Right. And so I think back to mountaineering, as listeners will know, 
that is the frame of reference that I come to a lot of things with. And as a mountaineer, you've always got to be thinking and planning for what if. You know, what if this goes wrong? What if that goes wrong? Do we climb with ropes? If yes, who's going to carry them? If no, what happens when somebody falls? You know, it's a hundred or a thousand decisions like this. And so I wanted to bring that same decision-making process over to the rest of my life. Like, what happens if I go on this trip that I have planned to take with my girlfriend? And what if I'm not up to the challenges of travel? What is the worst that could happen? Is it that I don't enjoy myself, or are we likely to die? This is this is a big one, Travis. You know, I think when most people are planning a trip, they they might think about the first part. Maybe am I not going to enjoy myself? Is it going to be hard on me? Am I going to be tired? You know, will I not have the stamina? Those are the kinds of things that I think come up for people. But when you're talking about mountain climbing, it's like, will I die? Yeah, that's a real possibility. If you fall, that could happen. And I think that it's interesting to me how you look at that because you're willing to take that risk all the time. You you put yourself out there and you go, okay, you know, this is so important to me. I love to do this. And on one side, on your what what the positive side is, I love to do this. It gives me joy. It makes me happy. And on the negative side is one slip and I could die. So how do you weigh that out? You know, how do you come to that decision of this is worth it? Okay. First of all, there's a complex chain of events that lead up to the one slip and I will die thought process. Yeah, maybe I simplified (laughs) it a little too much. (laughs) Right. But that is, you know, at the end, not that unlikely. But I will challenge you to think of all the things that a PD person goes through in their daily life that could just as easily end up killing them. You're absolutely right, Travis. We talked about this before. One trip and I can go down breaking bones. And that's not even leaving the house. Absolutely. That is absolutely correct. And all it takes is one little slip. 
getting into a car, not feeling secure about your driving. In Sandy's case, eating a piece of watermelon and choking on the on the liquid, you know, and and seeing if he's gonna survive that little piece of watermelon. So I think there are certain things that when you have PD, you have to think a little bit more about your actions. Let's put it this way. Does that sound good? It's it, They don't necessarily all have to be so thoroughly planned out, but you do have to think about the actions that you take throughout the day. Yes, and that's throughout any day, any minute. It's like there is just as much danger for a person with advancing Parkinson's in taking a shower while standing as climbing a mountain. Right. That that makes sense. I mean, there's there's definitely risk in your home, for sure. And we're not talking about people that are like newly diagnosed, you don't have many symptoms, or maybe you've been newly diagnosed because you have really bad symptoms. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a broad range of newly diagnosed that fits in there. But I, I think that you have to really look at what's going on around you so that you can be safer. And I don't think it's, it's a bad thing to explore that idea of what can make my life a little bit safer. And also in the long run, it's going to be easier for you because you don't have to worry about certain booby traps that might be in your home. Right. I had a climbing instructor many years ago who was teaching a group of us rock climbers how to be guides. You know, he was the rock climbing guide's guide. (laughs) And he was saying that, you know, he was going over steps that he took to make sure that he stayed safe. And he says, I view it as like making a deposit in the karma bank account. I never know. How much is in there? But I occasionally have to write a check against that account. And I pray that it will always clear. (laughs) I love that. That's a great way of putting it. That's really good. Yeah. And that's my attitude about safety. But I also wanted to address this other aspect of the price of failure. Sometimes it's not always life or death. And those situations are fairly easy because if it is a life or death situation, and you choose wrong, well, you don't have to live with the consequences. <laughs> yes, true. Now, but if it is more nuanced than you do, like, for example, I chose to take several classes this semester 
at school, which is a single choice, but it has a lot of effects. And it means that for me, I'm probably going to take a laptop with me this weekend because I've got some essays to write before Monday. And so that's one example of, you know, decisions way back in January are affecting me now. But if I want to play the tape out and say, what will happen if I don't take the laptop? Then I don't write the paper. Then I get a bad grade in the class. Then I won't make it into the university I of my choosing because my GPA is nine and it's so on and so forth and it can really spin my wheels if I give too much thought to it. I can see that, Travis. You put a lot of pressure on yourself this semester. I mean, you always have pressure when you're in school, but you've added additional pressure now because you've taken so many classes and classes that are more demanding than what you've maybe had in the past. Yes. And I think that that can be really challenging for you. I mean, I I think in some instances for people, for some people, um, they need to take a look at like, what is the challenge And am I up for the challenge at this moment? You know, like in your case, you felt you were up for the challenge. However, I don't think you realize the impact in talking with you about how this semester has been going. It sounds like you didn't really know how difficult it was going to be and how stressful it could be. Right. And how one bad PD day can snowball into... A lot of missed schoolwork. That's correct. There's, there's, it's not hard to have that happen where you have a couple of days that you just feel lousy and you're not inspired to write and you're not inspired to go out and shoot photographs or anything else. So how do we, when we look at this, the price of failure, do we... You don't want to get down on yourself because of it. You know, you can't beat yourself up for saying, oh, you know, I I never, I shouldn't have. You know, a lot of us live in the shoulds. I should have taken less classes. I should have thought about this ahead of time. But if you really are able to be accepting of it, then you can work with this and say, okay, I can take my computer with me and let's see what I can get done and hopefully you'll get it all done by Monday, you know, and, right. and hopefully you'll feel good enough to do it. But if, if by some chance when you start a project and hopefully it wouldn't be this project, but there've been other things I know you've started. If you start something and you can't finish it, allow yourself permission to be gentle to with yourself. They, they call it like compassionate care for yourself. 
you know, give yourself some compassion and say, hey, you know, I, I did my best and it may not have, the outcome may not have been what I thought it was going to be, but that's okay too. I learned from it. Right. And that is the crux of the biscuit. It is not whether or not I am successful this time around or get an A on this particular essay. It is more that I showed up and did my damnedest and turned in something that is important for me. And if I end up sending this class as a sacrifice on the altar of experience, then so be it. If I get a bad grade, I will take it again. Right. I I think that's a great outlook to have, that there's always another time to do something. You can try it a week from now. You can try it a month from now. If you're trying to do a project that has always been so easy for you to do, something that has taken you very little time and you it was not a lot of work for you to do this. And now you're finding it so laborious and you can barely figure out what you're doing and you're starting it. And all of a sudden you get lost in the middle of it and you can't remember how to finish it. it it's okay. You know, come back to it. Take a break. Sometimes the brain just needs a little quiet time. Go do a little breathing. Calm yourself down. Don't go into that mindset of, constantly grinding yourself on on this project. Right, because that is never the best or most efficient way to get it done. And we've talked a great deal on this show about rethinking and relooking at how you do what you do in order to Find new ways to get it done. Yes. And sometimes that new way, I just want to throw this out. Sometimes the new way is to call someone else to do it for you. And and, and that's a hard one because then we have to take our ego and say, have a seat over here and just stay there and you'll be okay. (laughs) And it's hard, you know, it's not easy to realize that maybe there's some things you cannot do or you should not do, and you have to let somebody else do it for you. And that's a really hard one. And that's not just with PD. That's with, I think, life in general. I mean, I am facing that because I live by myself now. And I used to do everything and I I was like sort I always thought of myself as sort of superwoman and I'm getting a little bit older and my body just doesn't want to do certain things it doesn't like lifting certain things my shoulder doesn't like a big bag of dirt you know picking that up and so I have to ask someone sometimes for help with this and it pisses me off. There's no question about it. It pisses me off because as we've discussed in my mind, I think I'm still 35 or 40. 
And so I should be able to do it. But I'm not. I'm twice that. I'm not twice 40 yet, but <laughs> I'm working my way there. And I think that it's it's hard for me, you know? It's hard for me to accept that some things I'm not supposed to be doing at this point of my life, even though mentally I feel like, yeah, I can do this. And I have to be compassionate with myself. I have to say, it's okay. You know, it also can cost money to do that. And that pisses me off that I have to pay someone to do something that I should, in my mind, I should be able to do. But you know what? What the hell? This is what we have to do sometimes in life. Right. And that is exactly what I'm getting at. Judy, I want to read a little piece from a speech that Theodore Roosevelt gave to a graduating class. Do it. This was in 19... uh, Early 1900s, he was invited after he was president to go and speak to a school in France. And he tells them, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do deep? Who knows great enthusiasms, great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who knew neither victory nor defeat. Oh my God, I love that. That's amazing. It's so great, Travis. Yeah, that is one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, because it's a mantra. It's basically saying, if we fail, it's okay. You can't get better at something sometimes if you don't fail at it. If you fail 10 times, maybe on the 11th time, it's going to be better and you'll improve. And that goes across our lives in every way possible. Yes, and it is. it goes a step further because the way I read it, it says, you know, um, he who actually strives to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, yes. the great devotions. I mean, it is more important 
to me and the teddy that we try even if we do fail. Yes, I love it. not know either victory nor defeat. That's right. And, and, you know, greatness comes out of these experiences. And you find a way of doing something on a whole other level when you've been defeated. If you don't give up, you find another way to do it. And oftentimes it may be even better than what you thought it was going to be. The outcome could be even better. And I know a lot of artists and, and writers that, that have taken this approach. You know, they always talk about writer's block and, oh, I wrote something and it wasn't good. But then I went back and I looked at it again. And I looked, how can I change this? Maybe I can do X, Y, Z. And and I think that this gives us hope that the spirit of man is pretty creative. You know, we have a great brain. And even if your brain is losing brain cells, and even if you're not getting enough dopamine and you're not sleeping, you know, all these things that affect us when you have PD, it's okay because you got to fail to move forward. It's like a little baby that's learning to walk. They take a step and they fall down and they go, fuck, I'm not going to give up this one. I'm going to keep going. And they do it again and they keep doing it until they actually get across the room. And pretty soon they're upright. Right. And I think it is important for all of us to take a lesson from that baby and not be afraid to walk for fear of falling. Yes, I agree. That is a really great point. You know, we have to do it and we just might need some assistive devices <laughs> if we have to take that walk, you know, but that's yeah. okay. <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with that. So I, I, I love this. I love the concept of trying and doing. It's so important for us because if you just sit in that chair and you just sit on the sofa, nothing's going to happen. You're just going to wither up. And, and, and what's the point of that? There's no quality of life. And we're looking today at like what makes us live and, and what do we live for? And we live for experiences. I think that's pretty obvious right. you look around the world and, and you look at mankind. We live for experiences. I've been watching the snowboarders on the Olympics, and I want to tell you, I wish it was me. I wish I could do that half pipe. It's terrifying to me. Or the ski jumpers, the freestyle, where they're doing quads. and I, I mean, it looks so incredible. But I've also watched them fall, and then they get up, and they keep they keep going, you know, they, they keep moving through it. And to me, that's what life is about. We might fall, but we're going to get up and we're going to do it again. And we'll do it until we get it right. And hopefully we don't kill ourselves in the process, right? Well, you know what? Even if we did die, I mean, what is that to be afraid of? Right. Well, we die happy doing what we love, Right. Right. <laughs> Okay, Judy. I think that's all the time we have. Yes, this we is want good. to thank Spencer Yaris and Kennedy Larson, the folks who helped make this show 
What it is. And thanks to our listeners for hanging in there and listening to us. We really appreciate it. Love to hear from you when you have some time. Thank you. Bye, Travis. Okay, that's a wrap. Bing.